Hello and welcome to the Sidenet and Podcast, the place where every week we discuss the latest games on in the world of football, play a game or two, and also almost definitely go off on a tangent. I'm joined as always by my cousin, my friend, but most importantly, my co-host, Kieran Burke. Kieran, how are you getting on? Good evening to you, Conboy. We are getting on good. Coming to the end of another week and the Premier League has finally returned after what has felt like an eternity during the international break. So happy, happy days, happy days. Oh, the international break always just drags on and on and on. At least if there's like maybe an exciting game or two, it gives you something. Give me anything juicy and just yeah, this international break gave me nothing except discourse around booing an anthem. And that is not something we're going to give any time to on the pod. Oh, yeah, Pro- probably best not. But, you know, international break is boring as ever. And this one felt extra long for some reason. I think maybe because there's only been four games in the Prem so yeah. far. So we had less less memories to live off for the past couple of And we've of only, weeks, got, so, uh, only got a few weeks until the next one comes along. So... Oh, don't remind me. Joy of joys. See, me. the police are fuming about it. I can hear them on their way to FIFA headquarters in your background there as we speak. Well, recent events in Boreham Wood suggest they're on the way over <laughs> to you, mate. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll leave the machete wielding to B-Wood. And, uh, over here, oh, we're, we're safe. Chaos, chaos so in, the la- in the last day, kids. The police hovering around the place there was all sorts of goings on in in my, in my estate yesterday i heard you oh, had your hammer was... out again oh you know, you know me i'm always walking around town hammer on full display but aside from machete wielding antics in boreham wood we'll <laughs> jump straight back into the exciting <laughs> return of premier league football so what we'll do kids is we have our five prediction games so we'll talk about them talk a bit more in depth drop into our predictions and then we'll have a little overview and discussion of the other games we have this weekend as well. Sounds like a plan. So, first game on the board for predictions. So, we'll have a discussion on the game and then we'll get a prediction at the end. Villa and Palace. Yes. So, I think it's a t- tough one to call this one. Um, Villa probably haven't had the start many expected, obviously. Started very poorly with that loss at Newcastle. Picked up a bit, but just been been a bit underwhelming for me. A few positives for them, obviously. Diaby's looked looked a very good player. Um, obviously, one of their additions over the summer. But for me, as a whole, they're still still looked a bit underwhelming. Obviously, just before the international break, Liverpool beat them very comfortably. So Palace, obviously, been probably better than a lot of people were expecting at the start of the season. So and Villa yet to really get going. So two one Palace for me there. Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand that Villa. It's really, it's been up and down. It's been up and down for Villa. They've had some, some tricky games. Obviously, that first game against Newcastle was a a disaster. It was almost bookended, really, by disasters with that Newcastle game and that Liverpool game and two two nice comfortable games in the middle against Everton and Burnley. So you're not really sure where how they're gonna come out, as you say, with Palace. They've not had the easiest of roads where, well, sort of in reverse to, to Villa where their bookender games were, were easier and sort of tricky games in the middle. Villa at home wanting to pick back up. I've got I've got them 3-1, but it really depends with Palace, as you say, that like Eze started on fine form. Edward, sort of another up and down play. You can never really sure what you're going to get yeah. with him. But two two mid-table teams at the and not just on their position in the league, but just in general in terms of quality and performance. Two mid-table teams. I think are going to give you a mid-table team game, and it could go either way. I'm sort of going with the home team, but could go up or down for for me this one. But we'll we'll stick with three-one Villa. Fair play, fair play. United Brighton next, Sam. What are we thinking for that one? Well, United had two very big tests in their first four games. Losing to Spurs, then losing to us. Another te- Back in another test here against Brighton. This time at home, I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure. Brighton coming off a, a slip-up to West Ham recently. Obviously not in the last game, but recently. It's 
It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a close game. I'm not too sure. It's another... To be fair, the whole slate of games this weekend, there's maybe one or two that I feel are obvious. But in general, they're a bit tricky games. We'll get into this when we talk FPL. Mm. There's a tricky slate of games in terms of predicting what's going to happen. But I've gone United 2-1 after recently everything around that club. They need to pick up in terms of performance, in terms of points, in terms of positivity around the the team. They can't really afford... Funny if they lost again, though. Oh, it'd be hilarious. So, don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely willing a Brighton Masterclass. Matoma times four, let's go. But in general, I'm not, I'm not so sure. We'll say 2-1 United, but similar to the last game, it could just as easily be an embarrassment and Brighton win. It's very much an, an up-in-the-air week, which doesn't help with predictions or FPL. But we'll go 2-1 Man United. As we're discussing United, obviously I said I had I had nothing to get me through international break. The United tears oh, were beautiful. We we did on touch the back of that of last week. win there, but I, I won't I won't bang that drum too much. We did have an Arsenal episode last week, but you know, thought I'd I'd just re re-emphasize that. I've gone perhaps a slightly bold on this one. For me, United at the minute, there's nothing positive about that club at all. Yep. There's so much negativity around it, and I, I can't see that coming to an end against a very strong Brighton team. Obviously, they had that bit of a slip-up against West Ham, but I, I I see them picking back up where they've left off so far this season, really, for me. They're just they're just a very strong, very strong side. Obviously, had that good win at Newcastle yeah, um, just before the international break. And when we go on to FPL, I will rant about having Ferguson sat on my bench after scoring a hat-trick. Um, absolute masterclass from me. Um, but yeah, I, I think Brighton will be far too strong for United, even with them being at home. Negativity, Sancho's tra- being, being told to train by himself at the minute. So obviously, play that's not performing, but an- another body they don't have in the squad. Anthony's yeah. obviously got that whole situation going on. Yeah. Um, at the moment, so he's not going to be about. So, I mean, they've got very little in terms of wingers going on. Um, obviously, here, here's time for me to butcher some pronunciation. Here we go, we're back, um, baby! <laughs> um, what you got for Hoyland? Hoyland, I believe, is the pronunciation. Hoyland? The Hodge? Can I call him the Hodge? The big Hodge. Um, the the, the massive Hodge. Hodge. He looked he looked strong the Arsenal. I like the look of him when mm. he came on. He, he was a bit of a handful. He bullied for Gabriel. Gabriel at stages of that game. So yeah, it could could go one of one or two ways. You say Brighton has a run of a run of form. They obviously did have that slip against West Ham. It's not beyond the realms of possibility it happens again. United are gonna need that first goal. You say three nil. I say two to Brighton. I say two one United. I could definitely be swayed, but we'll see what happens. Madness that that's a 3pm game. I know, I, I thought that. I did see something the other day, actually, with someone complaining that it weren't a televised game. And there, there's been a few weird decisions mm. with regards to televised games so far this season. I think that the day that Palace Wolves Liverpool Villa was on, that yeah. the Palace Wolves game was the televised game. So, not sure who's making the decisions at Sky, but um, perhaps some questionable ones lately. Yeah. Well, another game that's Saturday, 3pm, which when we talk about the games we aren't predicting, we'll get to is West Ham City, which mm. is another non-televised game. So it's a, there's a couple, even just weekend, there's a couple mad choices there. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, a bit, a bit weird. Um, but we'll jump next, kids. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a, a cut and dry prediction because it's not a Kenilworth Road this one. Oh, no 5-0 this week. But one of my my good close personal friends supports one of these teams, so it's Fulham Luton. And don't you, you fucking start again? <laughs> you know. Um. So in honour of not one, not two, but triple ADs, I have got a Fulham a Fulham win here, two 0 a comfortable double double D Fulham win rather than a triple D Fulham win. Um, it'll be a, be an easy game. They've they've had a quite a tricky run start of the season, Fulham. But this is exactly the team you want to play after having the the tricky last couple that they've had in in Arsenal. Obviously, they were able to get a point out of us. But Arsenal and City, you want to play a Luton. You want to play a team that 
in theory, you're just going to go and comfortably beat. Yeah. And for Luton, they're going into a run of games where they're going to want to start picking up points. They've got Fulham this week, Everton the next, and Burnley after that. And then they've got a real tricky run of games. So they are going to want to start going up, putting points on the board. I don't think it's going to happen this week, though. 2-0 Fulham for me. Yeah. In, in attempts to, to save any nonsense for the second half, I'm going to uh, disregard the first bit of your prediction and just stick to the, to the what, football side. I've got 1-0 Fulham. What nonsense is that? <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Um, I just, I've, I've said it multiple times. I just can't see where Luton pick up points this season. Fulham haven't been great by any means. Um, well, of course, they uh, managed to get a draw against that us. That says nothing. Let's not talk about that. They then got pumped by City, as we thought they would. But yeah, I just... Luton, for me, they just don't really pose any threat going forward and they look vulnerable defensively. I don't think they're going to get hammered by Fulham, but I've gone 1-0 Fulham, I just think. Yeah. Fulham will come up with that little bit of quality to to get the get the job done. Yeah, it's very very similar on, on that one. It's not, not one I feel like we need to dwell on too much. I think it it's a game that writes itself... Luton continue continue to look very worrisome. They are a game behind everyone else, but I think they could be ten games ahead of everyone else, and they still <laughs> wouldn't be out of that bottom three at this at this stage. Yeah. But we'll see what this weekend brings. And unfortunately, Luton fans, I think that'll only be disappointment for you. Talking to teams that have faced recent disappointment, a little seg there for you, kids. Very nice. Nicely done. Chelsea. Yeah, I think with Chelsea, it's a weird one because. After that first game v Liverpool, there was quite a bit of optimism around about Chelsea. Perhaps some thoughts that the signings would bed in. Obviously, a good result to start the season, build some confidence on the back of that. And it's just not happened for for one reason or another. They've really struggled to to just find, well, just to grind out a result. Obviously, as, as we discussed a couple of pods ago now, Luton at home was probably the ideal game for them to bounce back, which they've done. Um, still wasn't overly convincing if, if we're being completely honest but points on the board which I think was the main concern for them still very underwhelming for me so I, I I don't think a lot of Chelsea this season I still think they're going to struggle still haven't gelled as a team Jackson up top looks threatening but not clinical at this point yep. which I think can be said for a lot of their attackers They've got kind of promising players in there, but they're by no means the finished finished Describes product. Describes them as a whole, doesn't point. it? There's, yeah, there's definitely. promise and potential there for Chelsea as a team, but they're just not coming together at this moment in time. Yeah, they're good in glimpses, but over 90 minutes, they just don't seem to maintain it. So on that note, I've gone 2-1 Bournemouth. Um, obviously not really discussed Ooh, Bournemouth there. Okay. But yeah, I, I just think... I just it's more it's more from the Chelsea point of view just not being able to to gel. Um I know Bournemouth for another side that have probably bought in a lot of players and probably haven't really got going this season yet either. They've started probably a lot poorer than they would have liked to. Mm. Obviously they've only picked up two points from four games. They they're right down there, but I think for me they've shown a lot more promise than the other teams that are down there. Um They've looked good in parts from what I've seen in the games they played. Obviously, a draw away at Brentford in their last game, that's by no means a bad result. Um, Brentford are a good side and obviously in Buemo scoring that kind of last minute equaliser as well. So Bournemouth probably unlucky not to get the job done there. But for me, I think Bournemouth, similar to Chelsea with the new signings, but they're, they're bound to click at some point. Um, and yeah, I, I think, for me, Bournemouth will will just about scrape that game. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I think with Bournemouth, you say they'll be a little bit disappointed in terms of where they are at the minute, but you see the games they've played, four not easy games, and they lost to Liverpool, they lost to Spurs, no, no shame there. Picked up a point against a tricky West Ham team and a good, a good Brentford team as well. Yeah. I think... They and they've looked good in yeah. these first I think four the tab- games. Yeah, I think like, the table doesn't quite paint yeah, the story. Yeah, doesn't do for them Bournemouth. justice at all. And I kind of feel bad for where where I'm leading myself to while I praise Bournemouth. But <laughs> they've looked very good. We spoke about the manager before the season started and what this team could potentially be under him. 
we had very different takes on what the team could yeah. potentially be under him. But they're kind of rolling into what, what we expected. Like they go into two two tricky games here, three tricky games here, where they've got Chelsea, Brighton and then us, then Arsenal. But after that, you'll imagine they'll really start rolling. I think if you're a Bournemouth fan at the start of the season, you looked at get out of this stretch of games and then into your Everton, Wolves, Burnley... That stretch of games is is a real real chance to get nine there and start moving on, and you're kind of taking these other games as it comes. Of that stretch, though, Chelsea look the most beatable. As you say, there's just not clicking. There's something there that just isn't quite working at the moment. Hmm. You imagine that they will slot into place eventually with Pochettino, but you thought that last season it just never happened. They're a real... They're a real weird one, Chelsea. They're a very weird team to judge. Yeah. I I think Bournemouth at home, it's going to be a close one. Another, like I said with most of these games, another difficult one to call. So in that case, I usually just revert to to type and say 2-1 Chelsea there. But I can't say I'd be overly surprised if if your prediction came in, not just because of where we are in the prediction scoreboard at this point, but also... (laughs) Just because of the way the game is and with, with Chelsea and Bournemouth, it's it's going to be a tricky one. But I'll settle on 2-1 Chelsea at the moment. Could go either way. I think we said that at the start with, with games this week. It's a few potentially hard ones to call, so agree agree with what you've said there. Last last but not least for our predictions, um, Forrest v Burnley. This is actually a game I'm quite looking forward to. Yeah. I for Burnley, I just I want them to... I want them to do a bit more. They look so good in the championship last season. And it's like they're they're a bit scared to try and play that same way. But then on the other hand, they're not really shutting up shop and looking hard to to score against either. So for me, it's kind of like, obviously, they've had a very clear identity under Vincent Company whilst in the championship. And there's a bit of apprehension since they've come, come back up to the Prem. To, to kind of drive drive on with that for me. I think Nottingham Forest presents the perfect chance. Whilst Forest have looked, don't get me wrong, Forest have looked actually pretty good um, so far this season yeah. for me. I think they've been very tough to break down. Obviously, good result against Chelsea. We were put under a bit of pressure by them um, when we scraped that 2-1. Unlucky against um, United. Yeah, exactly. So for me... That they've looked good, but I think that that presents a chance for Burnley to go. Kind of, we're here. A lot of talk around the newly promoted teams. Obviously, very poor start um, from all of them. With only Sheffield United picking up points, and it's the singular point. So I think that's the chance for Burnley to kind of announce themselves as such into the into the prem and for company to. To try and impose that style that worked for them so well in the championship, although I'm, although I'm saying this, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> it's more performance based. I have gone one all. Okay. So I think Burnley will finally get some points on the board. But going back to what I said about Forest looking looking very strong defensively, you know, as a as a unit, I think they looked quite tough. We struggled a bit to break them down. Obviously, they they kind of fell apart a bit against. Against United, but yeah, I've, I've gone one all. I think Burnley will will look better than what they have done, and Forest pretty resolute as they have been so far. Yeah, I've I've gone one all as well. It's Burnley look at this as their first winnable game. Obviously, their game against Luton got called off because of Kenilworth Road not being ready yet, so they're a game behind. The carpet, the carpet, the El Carpeso. They're a game behind alongside Luton. And they beat they did beat Forest in the League Cup the other week as well, so they could look at it as a very winnable game for them based on that. But as you say with Forest, what was on paper a very tricky start, they've managed to to come out of mostly unscathed. Our Niwi is is on decent form, running mm. through. I've gone one all as well. I think it could be a, a decent game with two teams that are really going to be looking at this as a as a very winnable game. And definitely for Burnley for a chance to get first points on the board. Be a close one. Should be a good game. 
it's not usually the sort of game I, I'd be excited for, but I'm quite glad this is a telly game. We're talking about games earlier that why is that mm. a, is that or is that not a TV game? This is one that I wouldn't necessarily have picked, but looking forward to that on Monday night. Yeah, it's got a very Monday night game feel about yeah. it as well. Um, it's can't very quite Monday night what I game mean by that, but it's just it has that Monday night football feel to it. So yeah, should be should be a good one. Should be a good one. What so what score have you gone for? Oh, I've gone one all. You got one as well. Okay, yeah. I think I think it will be a a, t- a tight one. Yeah, it should be a close one. What isn't a close one? After four weeks, kids, going by weeks, you're a very comfortable three-one up. We love to and see. And then it. on the total score, you currently have twenty points, so it's one point for a correct winner, and three points for a correct result. You're on twenty points, and I am on twelve. The big difference oh, is mate. you've got two correct score lines. So far, across the... I know I've got none across the prediction weekly format. So that's that's a big difference there. That's a four-point swing. I think you need to just get good, really. I think you need to grow up, if you ask me. I think you you need to grow up a bit and, you know, get some correct. I think this is a weekend. Five out of five. A big big 15. A big 15 coming in, mate. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. Stranger things have happened. But outside of predictions... There's a few other games we've not predicted that we can just have a little have a little glimpse over, have a chat. The first one of those I wanted to talk about was West Ham, Man City. So West Ham haven't lost a game yet. Man City, four out of four, wins in a row. Another mental one that's a 3pm Saturday, as we were saying earlier, at West Ham. What do you reckon on this one? As good as West Ham have looked so far, and give them full credit, it's really hard to see past the City win, isn't it, really? And any game you go into... City just are the favourites. It doesn't matter who they're playing in world football. They're the favourites. West Ham, fair play to them. Look very good. Great result against Brighton. Picked up some good results and, you know, have, have taken their points well. But it's Man City we're talking about here. Obviously not one we're predicting, but I see I see City. I feel like it'll be close first half and then City will, will get a, the goal and then run away with it a little bit. Am I naive for thinking West Ham might run them close? 3pm game as well. I don't know why that makes a difference, but in my head it definitely does. <laughs> uh, well, they, they have every chance to, based on the start they've had. But for me, it's just it's just Man City, isn't it? It's just, enough said. It's Man City. They This team they've got is a joke. They just kill teams. Haaland needs one chance and it's a goal. Um, which makes it very hard. The room for error against yeah. Man City is basically zero. They've not been zero. tested though, so far yeah. this season either. This would be their first test, you'd imagine. But City could yeah. very likely just go out there and hammer fuck out of them, as you were saying there. You just don't know. Mate, if, if West Ham if West Ham win that, it's uh, West Ham tattoos all round. First they give us <laughs> Declan Rice and then they beat Man City. That would just be... Everyone well, gets a them. bubble, mate. <laughs> my love for the massive hammers would be absolutely huge if they can if they can pull that off but I just can't see it I hope they do but it should be a good game though I think should be a good game and we... it's a three o'clock yeah we definitely won't watch oh of course not of I will course not be pulling up my illegal streaming sites uh, um, to watch that one illegal stream who's she I do not know her yeah that w- I will not be doing that I, I completely <laughs> and utterly is that is that what Disgusted. those police sirens are for in the background? <laughs> <laughs> they come to take the dodgy stick away, mate. <laughs> Optus Sport in the mud. <laughs> oh, no dodgy sticks around here. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Big up IPTV. Anyway, next game <laughs> we'll have a we'll have a little look at. This one is on telly. Newcastle Brentford kids. Yeah. Newcastle need to bounce back. They've, yeah. they've really, they people had decent expectations for them going to this season, and they've just looked very uneven. Yeah, to be honest, I did expect a bit of a drop off from yeah. Newcastle this season, but not until they'd started with the fixture congestion that the Champions yeah. League brings. So, for them to have started how they have has surprised me. I've got to be honest. Obviously, tough game against um, City, which. By they, you know, by no means was a disgrace. They they ran them fairly close, um, and well, never posed a massive threat, but were hard to break down. But 
since they hammered Villa that first weekend, they look so good. They just haven't picked up on yeah. that at all. I, yeah, Newcastle have really surprised me. Three points from four games. As I said, once the Champions League starts, and particularly the group they've been drawn into now, I could see a bit of a drop-off coming. But not not the start they've had. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be an interesting one. They've yeah, they've just not got going. I think we've said it about a few teams yeah. um, now, but Newcastle, another team, they've, well, not that they've not got going because they started amazingly v Villa. They went going but, and they, then they still... Yeah. They, they stalled big time. Yeah. Started Another draw for Brentford? And, well, I've been predicting it every week and, and judging by the, the scores on the boards, it's, it's not uh, doing me they wrong are, so far. They are actually so. the two that you predicted is right was two Brentford draws. <laughs> so there you go. So perhaps so, perhaps so. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go against the draw in that game. It's a, It's got a bit of a bit of a draw stamped on it for me, but it depends what Newcastle turn up. Yeah. If it's the Newcastle that started the season v Villa, I think they'll be too strong for Brentford. But if it's the slightly underwhelming Newcastle that we've seen since then, then, you know, Brentford could get a result. Definitely a draw at least is is feasible. So we'll we'll see what Newcastle turn up. Yeah, we'll we'll gloss over Everton Arsenal because we discussed at length last week and we'll yeah. we'll gloss over Wolves Liverpool because that's just a uh, a comfortable Liverpool win. I think we're both in agreement there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll end on Agreed. Spurs, Sheffield United, which they're a team that, in a very similar manner to Bournemouth, where they've not quite hit the ground running in terms of points, they've looked decent. They've looked they've looked like a tricky team to play. I've I've quite liked the look of Sheffield United this season, mm. which Definitely. perhaps slightly strange based on the league position, but obviously again for me, butchering some pronunciation, they lost their their best player in Dai. Yeah, I, I want to say, um, who obviously went to Marseille. B Bwood Boy himself, he was in Bournemouth Pace Academy. Um, was he Roots? He mate. was. There's a he lot. Was. I would say a lot. There's a couple of little Bwood Roots there digging is. around there is. in the in those promoted teams. Well, I guess not a machete wielder, but a Bwood baller. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, obviously they've they've had a massive loss losing him. Obviously their best player, but for me they've looked tough to beat. Yes, and they've just not quite been able to get points on the board to reflect that. But I, I've I've actually I've seen I've seen a few of the bits of their games and they've 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 not looked bad for me. So I think they will pick up and start of the season. Going back to our start of the season predictions, I had them just to stay up. Um, yeah. in seventeenth, and I I still stick with that. I think I do think they're going to have just enough to stay up. So I expect Sheffield United to start picking up results. Whether that's against Spurs, I don't know, because obviously if Spurs pick up where they lof- left off before international break, they'll be very very tough to beat. But you know, Spurs it is Spursy will still always be Spursy, no matter how good they look. So a wise man once said, "Is the history of the Tottenham?" <laughs> it is indeed. I think Sheffield United could pull off a little upset there. I I don't know, potentially. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a close one. It could be it could be a decent little little game there. Once again, not that anyone will see this by any legal means because it's a Saturday three pm. But Spurs, really good form start of this season, as we were saying there. A tough Sheffield United team could be a could be a close one. I reckon Spurs home game for them. I reckon they will win it in the end. But Sheffield United could run them close. So we'll we'll skip through now, kids, to our FPL team. Don't, anything... don't bring me back to oh. the trauma of anything having wanna... Evan Ferguson on my oh, bench. Please. There we go. I was going to say anything you want to round off from from last week, last game week, and there you go, Evan oh, Ferguson. Yeah. Seventeen points was it in the end? Yes, it was indeed. I just got over it, and uh, <laughs> all the pains come flooding back. Acting my like only... you didn't have a stormer anyway. <laughs> As that, I was going to say my only consolation: eighty points on the board. Obviously, sitting top of the mini league, so slight damage limitation there, but it is a, it's a bit of a stinker. It's a bit of a stinker. My only real consolation is I was kind of... It was a bit of a toss-up between him and Julian Alvarez, who done well and got 14 points, but look at the team and Diaby sat there with two points. Obviously, they were playing Liverpool, so perhaps an oversight on my behalf. I just fancied Villa to, to do better than they did in that game, yeah. so, you know... 
these things happen in FPL, but was definitely a, a tough one to take for me. Yeah, you say you say big eighty points. If if you had Ferguson, it would have finished on ninety seven, and I finished on seventy five. So think of the gap that, that could have opened up there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, only we, eight we, points. We move. We only move. eight points in the mini league there between ourselves. Yeah, F- Ferguson. Ferguson. Uh, obviously picked up a knock because yeah. he didn't go on international duty with with Republic of Ireland. So I might have a stop bit of a decision. Yeah, I might have a decision to make this week because I've I've sat on my transfer. As of as of now, so need to make a call whether I whether I make a make a change. Gahey picks up a knock with England as well. Reese James, I still have, just because I've not had. The, I've he's been still there. Why is yeah, he still I, there? He's still there purely because I've prioritised getting other players out. I had a lot of players with knocks in my squad, so Might I just well keep him in it. Yeah, to be honest, he he has been given a chance to come back in this week. I don't think he'll start, but he might be in the squad um, yeah. and they don't have, you know, an awful run of games now. So I might just stick with him and, and get out either Gahey or Ferguson based on them also having knocks. Um, yeah, that's the tricky thing though, is is making that decision between is it a knock worthy of taking a player out or just benching them? Yeah. I think in both of those cases, I think they'll probably only be out a week from, from the looks of things. It is. And then alongside that you've got the plays with knocks but then you've got plays that aren't performing and it's like yeah. what do you prioritize whether you you kind of take the hit a little and and wait for a player to get back to fitness and and kind of in the knowledge that they'll probably if they're one of the stronger players they might come in and pick up points straight away or do you get out the players obviously i've got drb yeah. in my squad now i was going to say is there anyone in mind really had, when you say yeah. that He's only really had one good week for me. Obviously, my Arsenal assets as well. I've got I've got triple Arsenal going on, and we, we've not looked overly convincing. I, I know we've discussed Arsenal at length yeah. already last week, so I'm not going to kind of kind of go on about that. But Saka and Martinelli haven't lit up the league yet. I'd say they've they've still looked good in the games, but in terms of pure returns based, looking at from an FPL point of view. For players that kind of are kind of higher higher value players that you want yeah. to see returning every week, they're probably not where I'd want them to be. So some decisions to be made for me. What about yourself? Have you got anyone in mind that's uh, getting a sack? Well, I've made one. I've sacked one off. I made one transfer. Okay. I, I took the, out the unlucky I, player. I took out Jal Pedro because he's just not been bloody starting. Yeah. Brighton are a tricky one. I yeah. think Deserby's taken a leaf out of Pep's book. Deserby roulette is the new the new flavour of the month. Oh mate, it's definitely going that way. That's the because like you put in one of your one of your Brighton boys and then you look and he's not playing and you just can you risk that? Can you and with yeah. with Pedro I definitely can. So I've brought in Visser for for Brentford. Okay. Yeah. So I brought in this week. And so I had the decision to to make about because I've got Isaac as well, who he's my player that is hanging on by a thread for me hmm. at the moment. He's sort of mid ground, middle ground in terms of returns. Yeah, he had that one good week. I think yeah. he got a brace, but then since then probably been been a little underwhelming. Yeah. He he is in the team name, so that gives you a little extra grace. Yeah, that's it gives always him a bit way. more leeway. Yeah, but I have kept. So I've got Vissa and Isaac both starting this week playing against each other so Ooh, we'll, we'll, giants. Yeah, we'll see what happens there but this is where we're talking earlier about the tricky fixtures is have you made a decision on your captain because it's a real like Haaland would be your usual one but they're playing West Ham that's not a walk in the park mm. Isaac and Vissa playing each other Rashford playing Brighton Saka away to Everton our history away at Everton is very poor Eze against Villa like Luis Diaz is an option for me there away to Wolves he's he's the sort of option outside of Haaland for me at the minute yeah I'll be honest I've not thought about this week at length yet which I probably should consider it's <laughs> Thursday evening um, but I, I'm still I'm still kind of um and ahhing about the transfer I bring in that could influence who I captain obviously Haaland's always the default option but yeah. I, it's going to take a bit of further thought this week I've got Sterling there and obviously we've we've touched about Chelsea being underwhelming, but he did have that week against Luton where he yeah. he kind of got a lot of points on the board. But it is Luton. It is Luton, exactly. Diaby for Villa again. He's been a bit underwhelming for me. He's one of those players that could go and bang a hat trick yeah. one week. So 100%. it's a tough one to call. So 
Yeah, and then obviously we look at Arsenal, we've got Saka and Martinelli there. On paper, we should win comfortably against Everton, but we've we spoke about What's it your gut last week. In terms of captain, I, my gut instincts going to Haaland, which is a bit boring. But I just think City always you see a tough game on paper, and they just yeah. make it look like a walk in the park and never really have to get out of first second gear. So. He would be my default, but who I transfer in or out could influence who I end up going for. So it's it's definitely not set in stone for me yet this week. So it's one we'll keep an eye on and and discuss next week. I think I think I'm leaning. If I'm feeling exciting, it's gonna be one that goes down to the wire. I think if I'm feeling exciting. Yeah. I'm gonna go Diaz because I do fancy him to hammer Wolves. If I'm yeah. feeling a bit boring, then I'll I'll keep with Haaland. But we'll we'll see. As we say, we'll keep an eye. Over the weekend, we'll round up our FPL alongside the latest set of predictions next week. But we'll move on now, kids. Up next, we have a debut segment where we'll discuss the brackets. So up next, we have a brand new segment here at the Signet Podcast. We have the brackets. So every time we drop into the bracket... We'll set four people, areas, activities, whatever, under the category each, and they'll go into our bracket, and we'll have a little debate and decide which one advances on, and we'll be decided, apologies, which one we decided, the winner of the bracket. So this week, kids, our first bracket, there could only be one cat. One from your genius brain this week. Well, very much my genius brain, which is not protected by any hair, follicles whatsoever so in honor of that we've got bald managers so it's a little mix of their baldness so the balder the better and their just managerial ability so it's a mix of the two we're going to be debating so we've picked four each kids do you want to give us your four selections yes i certainly can choices from me are pep guardiola zinedine zidane um, I've then got Thierry Henry, and lastly, I have Roberto Di Matteo. As a manager, Thierry Henry is an incredibly rogue call there. If that man can get Lukaku scoring goals for Belgium, <laughs> I've got no doubt in well, his it's ability not, as a it's manager. not bald assistant managers, though, is it? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. He had a, what, as was I he managing would, as well. He was managing in America Mon- as well, wasn't he? He managed Monaco. He managed Montreal. We'll get into Henri's managing credentials. Legend of the game. Manager. <laughs> Legend, oh, manager. Legend of the game. I would kill for that man. But as a manager, <laughs> I don't know if I'd even leave a bruise for that man. But my, my picks, we've got Allegri, Tony Pulis... Sean Dyche and Eric Ten Hag. They're my they're my bald men of choice there. So what we've done with each set is we've seeded them. So for Kieran's choices, Pep is seed number one, Zidane seed number two, Di Matteo seed number three, and Henri seed number four. And for myself, Allegri is seed number one, Ten Hag seed number two, Dyche seed number three, and Pulis seed number four. So they've then gone into their bracket, and our first matchup is is Pep Guardiola against Tony Pulis. What a let's, let's debate this. I've got to just say at the start of this, I think you've been snubbed for this segment. Obviously, you had your stint <laughs> with the, uh, the under-12 girls team. And whilst it may not be at an elite level, your boldness alone would have would have really pushed the conversation close. So I do apologise. I did think I was, throwing you in there. I was in at straight number one if... Not for the fact that for a good chunk of that managerial career, I was a haired man. Oh, that is disappointing. We can see past that. We can see past that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think we all know who'd be straightened at number one otherwise. But, you know, you've got to give other people a chance sometimes, kids. That's it. Exactly. I mean, I've got no doubt you'd be winning in a matchup against Tony Pulis. And I, I hope to God... We're in agreement Pep Guardiola's taken home that winner there. But we will we'll see what your thoughts are. But for me, my hatred for Tony Pulis, <laughs> number one, the fact he wears a cap, he's ashamed of his baldness. Well, so that's a lot. I tell you what, we, we don't even need to talk about the fact he has basically zero ball credentials, which something that I didn't realise until I looked on his 
on his stats is I thought he'd at least like won a playoff trophy or a championship or he's won nothing. He's as he's as Brexit as Brexit as they come. His trophy cabinet is as bald as his head. <laughs> oh yeah. For me, he's he's number one, he's not embracing his baldness, so yeah. he's a shame. That's an excellent point. You've got Should... Pep who displays that shiny bald head wherever he goes and he's got the suit he's a little turtleneck, he just you know the sophistication of Pep's board alongside his obvious managerial prowess is a. Uh, it should be an easy thing with Pep is he's not just bald, he's somehow done the very rare thing of being fashionably bald. Yeah. Are we are we going Pep? I don't think we need to have any more of a discussion there. I think I think Pep is the only choice there. And the less I have to talk about Tony Pulis, the better. <laughs> Agreed. So Pep has advanced to the semi-final stage. But Kiers, who's going to meet him? Is it going to be well, Zinedine Zidane, Trippity the Babs? Or <laughs> is it going to be my favourite guy, <laughs> the Ginger Mourinho, the massive twat, Sean oh. Dyche, a man that is only popular because he is A, British, and B, has a gravelly voice. If Sean Dyche was from Italy, I know it's the reverse of the usual argument that was made, but if Sean Dyche was from Italy, he would be called a basic manager. Don't forget, he loves a pint, so he must oh, be Oh, congratulations. He lo- Con, can I just remind me, you have put Dyche forward in this, in this <laughs> one. Sounds like you're fighting a, your own corner against it here. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking he's a bald, he's a bald manager. There's nothing I can do here. He's a <laughs> bald manager. As good as it gets for Dyche. Regular listen listeners of the side that <laughs> pod will be fully understanding of Dyche hatred that goes on seemingly on a weekly basis at this. Cheers. We are nothing if not a Sean Dyche hatred podcast. We pretty much are at this point. I, w- I won't even lie. He comes up. His hatred spews out every week, and you know what? For me, I'm in total agreement. I'd One just, of the most overrated managers in the Premier League. And not just that. Obviously, that's that's enough reason for Zidane to win alone. But an amazingly bald man. And bald... He, bald he's the other fashionably bald well. man I was going to yeah. mention. Yeah. Bald, bald, baldness throughout the years. Displaying Champions League trophies. And I'm referring to... I'm going to have to refer to photos throughout this bracket just to remind me of the level of baldness we've got going on and yeah a, a beautifully bald man yeah. Zidane Sean Dyche has he I would class him as bald but there's a little patch there isn't there there's like a ginger patch there is and the gingerness as well like the ginger beard along with with the baldness I think just oh. you know he looks like your typical council estate straight bean straight from the tin kind of guy oh. for me and you know, then you got Zidane on the other hand, who he's just just classy, classy bald. So, so classy is the exact way to describe it. Uh, but we'll also we said it was half down to them being bald and half down to their managerial career, and Zidane's managerial career, three Champions Leagues. Um, I don't even need to get into league titles or Copa del Rey's or anything. three Champions Leagues. Sean Dyche, he four, four Champions Leagues. Four Champions Leagues, I believe it's three. Three Champions Leagues. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying for Sean Dyche, mate. Four, four Champions oh. Leagues. Sean Dyche couldn't even get done. four Champions Leagues on Football Manager. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who could. Uh, what's, what's the fella's name from Reims? Will Steele. <laughs> A well-known if, football manager. Uh, if Will Steele was bald, he'd be in over Sean Dyche. Oh, he'd be in. If Will still wants to shave his head and get in touch immediately, I will swap this bracket around. Zidane would still beat him, but he'd be he'd be our ginger bald of choice over Sean Dush. Can we can we go out to Will Still this week via social media and, and just try and get him to go bald within the next week? Just so we can edit Dyesh out of this podcast for the sake of humanity. Start the campaign here. Will still for bald. And if there if there is any other board managers that anyone feels should have been included in the bracket that we've missed, do get in touch, comment on the on the pod, or drop us a message at SideNet and Pod, and any other comments, notes on the episode, and we'll be sure to give those a read and maybe respond on the show as well. But here's Zidane. Yeah, Zidane goes in for me all day. Easy as that. Fantastic. So let's jump across. 
I don't think you're going to like this one, Kiers, but Allegri, Henri. I'm going to start off with some, some you know, defence of Henri. If we're talking pure managerial ability, ah, uh, well, managerial history, success as a manager, it's a no-brainer, it's Allegri. However, I feel there's debates over Allegri's level of baldness, yes. first off. There is some hair there. I th- is I he think... balding or is he bald? Yeah, so there's a debate there. Omri is gloriously bald and has been for many years. And speaking of fashionable bald, Thierry Omri just pulls it off like no other. When he's when I see clips of the CBS coverage, it is CBS, oh, isn't it? With, with it Kate is Abdo, CBS. He just, in the suit, the bald head gleaming with the studio lights beaming down on him. It's just... He pulls it off like no one else quite can. Kids, um, you don't need to convince me on Thierry Henry being a beautiful, gorgeous, sublime, bald man. He's he's a top-tier bald... If this was just bald men, world over, regardless of sport, race or creed, he'd be there. But it's the manager side of things. My, my only defence I'm going to give Thierry is... I feel like he could have done more managerially than he has. Obviously, he's been at Monaco, which is a decent level, was only there for a year, though, so it's hard to really go off. Spent two years with Montreal Impact over in the MLS, and obviously he's just taken on a role with France under-21s, which obviously we can't really say much on. I think with all the TV work he has done in the past, has probably led him to not go down the managerial path, even though I feel like he probably has the credentials there that he could but obviously based on what he has done well we can't really just speculate so i i think i'd agree i think allegri scrapes it but i think it's closer than then maybe it should be then it should be yeah purely because Henri is just gloriously bald but what am i see i love Henri. he is a man that has my entire heart soul and mind but he's not a manager hard to argue with that we'll we'll go the last quarter final matchup and this could be an interesting one. Eric Ten Hag and Roberto Di Matteo. What you reckon, kids? Well, I'm going to, again, refer back to the glorious world of Wikipedia and Google Images just to uh, refresh the memory. Oh, Di Matteo's now, definitely bald enough. Oh, he's definitely bald. I'm just seeing the levels. A man with a very weird head shape, Di Matteo. I, I yeah, must say. not necessarily um, a man with a bald head shape, but nonetheless, I think he pulls it off with the big eyebrows. Yeah. To start off with, managerially, obviously, Di Matteo, a man that's won the Champions League with Chelsea. Um, and that is my that is my entire argument. So, when we're talking managerial-wise, obviously, that's his, his crowning jewel, if you will. And even despite that, still managed to get sacked. Um, and I think from memory, they didn't have a good season in the league that year as well. So, despite, obviously probably the biggest trophy in club football still arguments over how successful he was um then obviously was at Schalke for a year and then Villa as well um so well if we're just talking purely managerially I think for me Ten Hag edges it I know he's still managerial terms see he's he's still quite kind of this is where I think he gets yeah. yeah this is what I think gets a little controversial is I don't think he does edge it managerially. Okay. Roberto Di Matteo has won a Champions League. Very true. Very Done. true. Done. I don't think I don't think Ten Hag edges he's not taken a team into the semi finals. I know he did, he lost to he did, he lost to Spurs. He's not taken to a yeah. final anyway. Um, I think the my fact he lost to Spurs alone, especially and the he, position. Not just did he lose to Spurs, he fucked it to Spurs. Yeah. And he, he caused me to, to have a real stressful time. So that that puts him even worse. But he's won a few leagues with Ajax. That's out, The Eredivisie is outweighted by the Champions League. Yeah, big time, big time. You, you pose a very good argument there. What's I your Ten Hag th- argument if you've got one? Well, obviously it's a slightly strange one because we're, we're arguing the case for each other's picks here. Um... But, I don't know, I feel like Ten Hag, it's a, di- it's a difficult one because he spent quite a bit of time 
with Ajax, and obviously they were such a highly thought of team, but success, if we're talking purely success-wise, you probably are right, Di Matteo, Champions League, outweighs pretty much anything else. But if you ask Chelsea fans how successful Di Matteo was and how he rates against other Chelsea managers, I don't think they'd put him in like super high regards. Even just, Obviously, a Champions League, they're going to have love th- for him. But I think if you talk to a Chelsea fan, they would put him near the top of Chelsea managers purely for that Champions League. Okay. Maybe, maybe we need a Chelsea fan's opinion to, to truly settle it. But going on to baldness, um, which obviously is the other part of our debate. I think Ten Hag, for me, is is a winner in baldness. Um, he's, but he's, not an out and away winner. Not enough to, not, to no. flip the, not enough the to combined percentage. Not enough to edge it either way. But I think, for me, he's got an absolute cranium on him. And oh, he's got an absolute noggin. He, he's potentially the baldest of all men in this list alongside Omri, arguably. So... That pushes him up a bit for me, but Di Matteo is very bald also, but perhaps a bit more hair. I don't know whether the fact when he was managing Chelsea he had a bit of Ooh. hair going on goes against him. Oh, you've know. changed the game there. Because when he won the Champions League, how bald was he? That is Bro, an I'm looking excellent... at photos here, and there's arguments to be had, I've got to say. That is an Definitely excellent point. Kieran John, you've just blown this thing wide open. Let's have a look. We're going to judge it down to there. Oh, no, nah, no, nah, he's bald. He is bald, there, kids. Hmm. He is bald, he is bald, bald with the Champions League here. I've got a photo here of him and he, he doesn't look bald, bald, but that might have check, been a couple check of weeks the shadow. Because it's check the, the shadow. He's bald, bald. Okay. Well, we'll give him... so. Going off a fully bald Di Matteo with his Champions League and a fully bald Ten Hag with not a Champions League, are we edging towards Di Matteo? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely edging towards Di Matteo. Okay, yeah, I, I think I think the argument you pose there... Speaking a couple of years, maybe yeah. Ten Hag will have done enough by then, but right now that that Champions League outweighs his entire success. Yep. Okay. Let's go, Dimitar. I think that might be a controversial one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The semis. We've got a big one here, kids. Huge semis. You know, there's a massive semi in front semi. of me here. The the shadow this semi is casting across my face right now is unbelievable. Absolutely magic. Okay. So in gigantic semi number one, Pep Guardiola. Against Zinedine Zidane. For me, this is the big one. I think. Yeah. I think this could be the overall decider. Yeah, you know, you Um, get those semi-finals. Like whoever wins this is is winning it all. Yeah, it's got that. It's got that feel to it. I'll I'll let you start off the uh, the argument on this one. Well, this is see this one is going to be more of a debate because I don't have a clear cut. I think when you look at, Mm. they both have three Champions Leagues to their belts. But Pep just has everything. They both have... We, mad considering his last few years, they own, They each have two FIFA best managers. And Peps are from from the, uh, the early 2010s. The 2008 and 2010, he won world's best coach. Which mm. is, is mad That's that he's surprising. not won any, any of those... Yeah. Um, this is according to Transfermarkt, if I'm, if I'm incorrect. But I've got his list of honours here in front of me. Uh, 2008 and 2010. And then Zidane has 2017-2018. So they're, they're not too dissimilar. I think Pep does edge it. Yeah. With For the me. Premier League, he's won five Premier Leagues, five and six seasons. I think boldness, they're dead level. You've got to go on managerial here because there's nothing... For me, there's nothing separating the boldness. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. For me, Pep Guardiola revo- has revolutionised football in terms of playing styles. He's done it at different clubs, which I think comes into it. Um, obviously, Barca, Bayern, City yeah. with his Champions Leagues. 
Zidane's only ever been at Real, and have a look now. He was o- he's only been a manager yeah. for four years. But does that does that not also swing swing it back in his favour in that he's done this in such a short period of time? He's won three I, yeah. Champions Leagues, two leagues, two FIFA Bests, two Club World Cups, two UEFA Super Cups, two Spanish I, Super Cups. I think that's definitely an argument to be had, but I think for me, longevity has to come into play as well. Yeah. And Guard, for me, doing it at three different clubs is far more impressive than having an unbelievable team that win it back to back to back. Yeah. So, for me... I'm leaning towards Pep, um, no doubt on Zidane's boldness and managerial ability. But for me, Pep is the epitome of a bald manager. He is the bald manager, manager, isn't he? He is, when he you, is the bald manager. You ask any football fan to name a bald manager, Pep will probably be the first person they name. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. I, I think for me, not a clear winner, but Pep, Pep does take this one for me. Yeah, it's for me. It's gone to extra time. It's not quite yeah. hit penalties. It's gone to extra time. Last minute winner, Maria ninety plus seven, and <laughs> Pep does take it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So Pep's in the final, but who is he going to face? Kiz? is it going to be Allegri with his two Champions League runners up alongside all of his other various achievements in Italy? Or is it Di Matteo with his Champions League? Is that enough to carry him all the way? Well, starting with baldness, I think there are a similar level of bald going on. Um, They're not quite the full shebang for me. They've kind of got that little stubbly, stubbly baldness going on where they're trying to hold on a little bit to a bit in the back. Di Matteo's probably slightly balder for me. Mm, Di Matteo's Um, definitely balder. Yeah, but there's I think there's clear Dimitri wins it in boldness, but mm. managerial wise, for me, Allegri. it's Allegri. Um, I know yeah. Di Matteo winning the Champions League definitely edges him. In, Allegri's in at least been there. Yeah, exactly. Omri didn't really have any managerial kind of no. boat leg to stand on, shall we say? And he still ran it a bit close. For me, Allegri's in a completely different. Allegri Rapid. beat Henri. It was Ten Hag that, that oh, was yeah. against Di Matteo. Of course. But, um, yeah, for me, yeah, for me, I I would be leaning towards Allegri. Um, I'm not sure yeah. the outcome of this will, will ultimately matter I too much. But I think... I think Allegri. you're right there, Kiz. Yeah, but I, th- I think you're right there. I think Di Matteo won Champions League as good as that is but one Champions League on FA Cup can only run you so far when you face a manager like Allegri. So I'd agree with you there. Allegri into the final. I think we've already done this debate for ourselves, Kiz. Yeah. I think clearly so, enough. The board manager, king of the boards, Mr Pep Guardiola, I think. Congratulations, Pep. I'm sure this is going to be equally up there with Pep Guardiola's honours that he's had in his career so far. So congratulations, Pep. Oh, Absolutely. The Get first to claim your bald cap, Pep, if you, if you want it, <laughs> just to go double bald. Your gold bald cap. <laughs> so your first winner of the bracket, the winner of the bald bracket, Pep Guardiola. Okay, kids, are we happy with that bracket as a whole? Are you happy with all of our choices? Any anything you think that Ten Hag battle a bit controversial? Happy with our end results? I think all in all, Pep. Pep came out where he should have came out. Potentially some, you know, some debates to be had. Um, depends how you weight baldness v managerial ability. I exactly. think we split it quite fairly. We had a good, good debate of both baldness and managerial ability. So I think in the end, there was one, one clear winner. One hundred percent. Well, that leads us to the end of the podcast. We're gonna continue the bald theme and playing us out after we say our goodbyes. There can only be one man. It's going to be Pitbull and a bit of hotel room service. So, Kiz, thank you for joining me again this week. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you all again next week. Goodbye.